0: When I was 13, I was homeschooled for a year and wasn't really prepared for it. My parents just kind of got the books and said, have at it, and I was used to having deadlines from my teachers, so I kind of got behind. Really behind, by that springtime I realized I probably might not finish eighth grade and might fall a grade behind, which was causing me anxiety and I was up late at night in bed, just ruminating over, you know, what am I gonna do? Uh, I can't get this year's worth of uh, schoolwork done in time before summer uh, would finish, it seems like. And what came to mind in the midst of that stress and anxiety was the image my family had in our living room where we would pray together. It was the image of the divine mercy. And what really struck me as that image came to mind while I was lying there in bed, was the words, Jesus, I trust in you. And I realized, I don't think I was fully taking to heart those words, and so I prayed that prayer on the bottom of that image, Jesus, I trust in you, with the grace of God, with my whole heart, and I felt this peace. A peace that, in the midst of all kind of uh, worrisome problems, things that should be stressful or cause anxiety, still, by the grace of God, just feeling that peace. And sure enough, everything worked out. I'm not saying I actually finished eighth grade, but it all worked out. And it didn't fall behind. And many of the problems that come my way, I've realized to, to continue putting my trust in the Lord. For he is my Lord and creator and He can count the hairs on our head. He knows what's best for us. He will provide for us. And he himself entered in to all the many stress-inducing problems of our life, all the things that cause anxiety. He too entered into these problems. I'm in a group chat with a priest who landed in Tel Aviv yesterday with a Catholic pilgrimage group and they could still see some of the smoke rising up from some of those missiles that were fired as a counteroffensive. They spent the night last night in Nazareth and he was sharing with the, the group chat that you know outside his hotel window, very close, was the Church of the Annunciation where the incarnation took place, where Mary said yes, and the word was made flesh. And so he said he just had this overwhelming sense of peace that God is in control. That in the midst of everyone on the pilgrimage trying to figure out how they're gonna get back to safety, that he just felt like God has already entered in to their mess, that even 2,000 years ago, God knew what would happen to Jesus when he sent his son into the world. You know, as John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we might have eternal life for those who believe in him and not perish, and God knew what would happen when he sent his son into this world. He knew he would be rejected, and that's what we hear in today's gospel, this vineyard with wicked tenants. And the vineyard is an allegory that was used even by the prophets. We heard one of them even by the prophet Isaiah. How there's this vineyard in which those who are given this vineyard allow it to be overgrown and trampled because of their wickedness. And Isaiah prophesies to them the destruction that comes their way because of their sins, because of their evil doing. Well, the Lord, with that in the background, is saying the same thing to the chief priests and the elders in the temple. They're in the temple grounds, and he's talking to the chief priests and the elders, the very ones who end up rejecting him. And so he's telling them that he knows they will reject him. With this parable, in which there's this vineyard owner which is God the father and the vineyard being Jerusalem and Jerusalem being given over to uh, the care of these leaders of Jerusalem the chief priests and elders but what do they do all throughout you know we see in the old testament anytime god sends his servants the prophets they reject the prophets. One they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Jeremiah was persecuted and beaten. Ezekiel persecuted. Isaiah killed Son in two because he was sent by God with a message that the tenants, the leaders of Jerusalem, of Israel at their time, did not want to hear that they had to repent and change their ways. And so, what does the owner of the vineyard do? He says, well, I'll send my son. They will respect my son. Now, that makes sense, right? No, and the Israelites listening to this parable would recognize that too. Why would you send your beloved son into danger when they're killing your servants. They obviously have no respect for you, and they will likely do the same. And that's the thing about Jesus' parables. He often has a twist. And nonetheless, God sends his son to us, into this messiness. And what do they do? They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. And that's why Jesus... Again, he's even prophesying he will be executed outside of the vineyard, outside of Jerusalem, which scripture makes clear that Golgotha is outside, Calvary is outside Jerusalem. But what does this rejected stone of Christ turn into? It will become the cornerstone. Jesus is saying in light of this vineyard parable that their temple, their Jerusalem will be destroyed. But God is in control because he is sending a new temple and a new Jerusalem. And Jesus even said that, you know, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. He is the new temple. He is the cornerstone of that new temple and He invites us to be living stones built building up this living temple. Jesus turned this messiness this sin, this rejection into the very cornerstone of our faith and our life. Just like He does with everything. All of history has been conquered now with weakness, the cross, and yet through the cross, that is how we triumph with the victory of Christ. And so we know God is the one in control. He is the one who is victorious. Evil may have its hour, but the good will triumph at the end of time. And this is why Saint Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, we heard in our second reading, have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving make your requests known to God have no anxiety at all. Now that might be a way for us to say, yeah, right." St. Paul, sounds easy. But St. Paul is writing this from prison. And the Philippians are going through troubles, but they could have told St. Paul too, Paul, this doesn't seem to be working out for you. Everything that you're doing for God, you keep being persecuted and you're being scourged, you keep almost dying, you keep getting arrested, you keep going to prison, uh, you go through sleepless nights without food, and with great rejection. It could be easy to say, in recognizing the life of Paul, that is God really with him? And yet Paul is the one here saying, you know, don't doubt, don't have this anxiety, But in everything, make your requests known to God. And so he gives us the key to having no anxiety. Prayer, of course, trusting in the Lord. And that's why Jesus gives us this prayer on the divine mercy image for our times. Jesus, I trust in you. Make all your petitions known to the Lord who says, you know, do not be anxious about what you will eat or drink. Do not the sparrows of the field have their food taken care of? Don't the lilies of the field clothe the field? Are they not less than you? Jesus, I trust in you then, is the prayer to keep in mind with all our petitions to the Lord. But then the second part, to having no anxiety is having thanksgiving. Gratitude. So that no matter what comes your way, you can still be thankful. That you can still always give thanks to God for all that is good. But even to still pray with gratitude in the midst of the evil we suffer. And That means even in those dark moments to still have that gratitude. For then, St. Paul says, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because if we can pray with full trust in the mercy of the Lord and always be grateful to God, then we are placing ourselves completely to the mercy of God being thankful for, to him at all times. And this is difficult. When my brother passed away back in May, I remember we were praying the rosary and the, praying the glory be seemed really difficult to just pray that glory be right after this tragic incident. And later on, a week or two, having not even mentioned this, One of my other brothers uh, shared how he had read some saint saying, one glory be recited in the midst of the greatest suffering and darkness. When we really don't want to pray it, that is worth more than all our other prayers combined. When we can pray that prayer of thanksgiving in the midst of that darkness and so no matter what comes our way we can still be at peace knowing the Lord is in charge he is in control and he is the one who even sent his son into the very messiness of our world so that it might be redeemed so that all things might work out for our good. And that even death itself transforms into life. And so there's this beautiful pattern now in the Christian life, even seen in nature, how evil God draws good out of. God permits the evil in our time Because it'd be better, St. Thomas Aquinas says, that we have our free will than not to have free will. That it'd be better that we can have freedom and forgiveness made possible by our free will. And with this, God draws good out of evil. May Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, Our Lady of Victory, who we celebrated yesterday as Queen of the Rosary, may she intercede for us that we might always have this trust, that we might always have gratitude, no matter what comes our way, so that we might have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding As Jesus told St. Faustina, mankind will not have peace until it turns with trust to my mercy.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy